Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. It's always been a dream of mine to play in NRG Reliant Stadium. And, you know, I've... Spent a lot of time in that city, my childhood, growing up, growing up in Houston, going to watch the Texans play, being being in the Texans facility as a kid. I remember Andre Johnson giving me his Jordan cleats. Um, have, having stories like that, you know, playing against JJ Watt now, but you know, going to see him practice as a kid coming up, um, it's all it's all funny memories. It's a part of my childhood. And that's about the only interesting storyline tonight, Thursday Night Football. Boom. Philadelphia Eagles. There he is. Hello, Mike Florio. The Houston Texans. <laughs> Good morning, Christopher Sims. It's a Thursday for everyone. It's a Friday for Chris. But it's always a Friday. It's got that Friday feel when there's a football game to cap the day, even when it's Eagles at Texans. See, I'm trying my best. Well, wait. Sell. I, well, yes, I know, but I, I want to say that you know, again, this is uh, what are we going into our eighth or ninth Thursday game? I feel like you've said this at least for six or seven of them so far. This one really is. Though. <laughs> what? <one> is, <laughs> wait, this one's really bad. I'm I trying know. to sell it. I know, I know. So you're saying I've been trying to sell these excessively this year because the Thursday night games haven't been good. Right. I mean, yes, yes. I'm saying we've come on a lot of Thursday mornings, and you're like, yeah, well, it's not the best game, but we're going to talk about it because it's on TV, and <laughs> we, we well, go through this spiel. But, but, but I hear you. Fast forward tough. to middle of February, and you'll wish you could watch a crappy NFL game. Yeah, you'll wish that's you right. could. That's right. We're getting to the time of the year where we're soon going to have fewer weeks left than we've already enjoyed. So enjoy what you can, when you can, while you can, because it will be gone. That said, 1-5-1 and one Texans hosting the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, some games that are set in May when we get the schedule look good pending the playing of eight games. 
Eagles at Texans never looked good. No, that's this right. felt like the okay. We have to wedge this one somewhere. Sorry, Amazon. You get Chargers Chiefs. You get Seahawks 49ers. You're going to have to deal with Eagles Texans too. Yeah, exactly right. And, you know, again, Texans have stayed competitive against some teams and made life hard. I think that's what we can hope for tonight. But, yeah, the Texans are definitely one of the least – sexy teams, the least talented teams in all of football right now. There's no way around that. And then they're going against the team that we sit here and go, I don't know, is there a flaw? Is there anything wrong with them? So, uh, you know, it's two teams going in two totally different directions. We got the, the, the team in the leader house for the Super Bowl and the team that we're looking at is in the leader house for the first pick of the draft. And, and, you know, getting a quarterback and starting the organization and getting it going that way. So that's where it, it's weird. But, then, hey, it's the NFL. And we know we've seen a lot of games the last few years, with Texas and, Texans included, where we've got, well, they're not going to win that game. They can't do that. And then they play competitive or somehow pull a horseshoe out of their butt and figure it out. So, you know, we'll see if that can happen tonight, even though I find that highly unlikely. I think what we may ultimately be saying isn't horseshoe. It's the other word. Yeah, right. Two different letters at the end. By the way, the show is PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel. Learn more at googlestore.com. Didn't have to look down today to remind myself of the script for the presenting sponsor of the program. You can watch on Peacock, listen on Sirius XM 85. You can also see the show if you live in the U.K. and or Ireland and or serviced anywhere by Sky Sports NFL. And also you can listen on podcasts wherever you may be. We say hello and good morning to everyone. I'm not feeling right today. I had a problem this morning. Why? What's going on? Well, the first problem, I know what it is. The first one, I mean, this is this is not your Thursday shirt we have on. This is find it. Wow. Uh oh. Uh oh. You know what happened? This is this is what happens when you clean up your mess. When you clean up your mess, you can't find anything because you can't remember where you put the thing that you rely upon every Thursday. I remember actually folding the thing up and sticking it in a drawer. I don't know which drawer. So instead, I get the next best thing. And look, this is fine. You can't really see it. It's the Yeah. It's the It's good, the, the but it's not the usual Mike, Mike Florio Thursday for tire. And you know what? You know what happened? You know what happened? Yeah. Every once in a while, you leave something in the washer just a little too long before it migrates to the dryer, and it gets that I was in the washer too long smell. Yeah, right. It's, so, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. So wait, yeah. you got that and, with and, that shirt right there? You're saying? Yeah, so this one. It's got that. It's got that. It's got that. It was in the washer a little bit too long before I remembered to put it in the dryer smell. Which means other clothes have that too that I've yet to discover. Which means I'm going to have to round them all up and wash them again. But. There was nothing I could do about it because it was three minutes to air. So I had to do something and come up here. So I'll get used to the funk of the of the 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 shirt that sat in the washer too long before it went to the dryer. I hate that. I do that all the time. I because the laundry room is close to my office. Right. So I'll take clothes in and I'll put them in the washer and I'll start it. And I'll go back to work, and I'll forget that I put clothes in the washer. Yeah, yeah. I assume that that that, that is a fairly common dynamic. It, it, it because seems like it happens in my house it's, too. It's not like you know, I remember the the days I had to go to the laundromat. It's not like you leave the laundromat and come back and forget to go back. You're there, and what like when I was growing up, and you know you, you had your 
washer and dryer like in a completely different part of the house. So you just kind of hung out there or or you just it was easier to remember when it was farther away from where you do your normal stuff. The closer it is to where you do your normal stuff, the 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 easier it is to forget. That that's there, or I'm just dumb. I don't know. Or oh well, yeah. I think there's things. a little bulge in there. I forget that. You know, anyway. you're you're busy. You're a busy guy. You you're know, going in the office. Always, it's, you got to copy and then paste, and then copy and then paste, and then write a snarky comment. It's 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 hard being you. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, let's you get back to there. The huh? You got a little itch on your head. Yeah, there? yeah. yeah. I, don't know. I don't know. I'll try to get it. Maybe I did. Um, yeah. So uh, tonight's game, hey, at least the Texans are wearing their battle red helmets, oh. not just red helmets, Ooh. their battle, battle battle red helmets. Ready for battle. And, and you know, I think for the most part when teams this year have broken out the fancy-ass helmets, they've done all right. The Bengals with the all-whites. Yeah. The Falcons, when they wore the throwback red helmet, they they handled the 49ers 28-14. That's right, yeah. I think the – the Cardinals, Cardinals wore the sparkly uh, black ones on Thursday night, right? They they, they beat the Saints, yeah. so yeah. I, I, yeah, I you're right. The difference, look, look, Giants beat the Ravens, and those the Eagles were, are three and oh, oh, or was, seven and oh, yeah, excuse yeah, me, three right, and oh. Right. The Eagles are seven and oh. It's a short week. They have to go to Houston. I I think that they have the right mindset. I talked about this earlier in the week. I spoke to Jalen Hurts after the win over the Steelers. And he told me that and, – and he he said, I usually don't speak about myself this way, but I can sense the transition this year where the team is basically taking on my mindset and my approach. So, you know, he's got that approach of a coach's kid, deal with adversity, fight through it, right. don't overlook any opponent, all the cliches that make up the the entire existence of a coach. Yeah. They have made their way into Jalen Hurts, and he is – passing them along to his teammates and it's working and this is the ultimate test of crap team short week mini buy on the back end tempting to overlook the Houston Texans tempting to think all you have to do is show up and also hey everybody cares about the baseball game in Philly tonight game five of the World Series right first time since and Shereen Williams had the stats last night First time since it was St. Louis Rams against the Texas Rangers in the World Series that the two teams from the same areas are playing on the same day. And, I, you know, it, it, this, this is the ultimate trap for the Eagles. If they're going to trip over their shoelaces in any of these games that they have left, this is the prime candidate for it. And they need to be on guard for it tonight. I, I, and, you know... Even then, I still yeah. don't expect I, the Eagles I hear to, to right. lose to one of the worst teams in football. I, I, I mean, I, I hear all you're saying, and it's the NFL, and it's one bounce of the ball. But it, you know, this is one where you go, well, it, it might take two bounces of the ball, maybe three. Uh, you just you look at it and go, well, first off, I mean, like we've talked about, Philadelphia is just a team right now that I think is thriving under the spotlight. You know, they they are kind of enjoying being the king of the NFL. They do have the right attitude. I mean. You, you talked about it. Jalen Hurts, he is like a coach up there. I mean, it, it is coach speak. It's direct. It's short. It's sweet. He cracks a little smile here and there, but he's all business. 
They've been nothing but all business all year long. It doesn't matter who they play for the most part, where they come out and usually come out on fire and dominate the game. The only game I can think about that they didn't come out on fire is Jacksonville, and then they stepped on the pedal in the second quarter and left them in the dust. So uh, uh, here is a team that you know is pretty special, as I, I think we both know. And I, I, I feel like this is a game where they could kind of sleepwalk and play maybe a, a B-minus game and still win by 15 points, 20 points. I do. I just don't know where you can look at the Houston Texans game and really look at it and their team and go, well, ooh, maybe if they do this. Hey, football's great, right? Because we know it's, yeah, bounce of the ball, you know, a miraculous play, the right you know, approach for X's and O's to the game and all of a sudden, whoa, this team was way better than that team and it's a close football game. But here's one where I don't see where the coach can really come up with an X's and O's to even it out. That's where I think, you know, I think that's what we're talking about and it's where we're a little underwhelmed by the matchup itself. There's not one area you can look at to just go, well, you know, if they can run the if they can run the ball and control the clock and and you know bleed the clock that way, okay, yeah, maybe, right, right, maybe, you know, against what you know the Philadelphia defensive line that's got some of the biggest asses and legs you're going to find in football, stopping the run, and you don't have a great pass game to worry about, you know, so that's where I think it's uh, you know interesting, and it's just I'm looking at it, Mike, tonight as a night to let's evaluate the team again that we look at right now to be the favorite for the Super Bowl, the best team in football and see if there is a weakness or something there that, you know, pops to us to go, ooh, oh, ooh. when they play maybe a team with better quality, that could be an issue. But as of right now, we don't really see that at all. The one thing that will help keep Jalen Hurts and in turn the team focused is the, the point that you heard Hurts make at the top of the show. He's going back to his hometown of Houston tonight for the first time ever. That will give him a little something. That will give him a little focus. That's something he circled when the schedule came out. I'm going back to Houston on a Thursday night, nationally televised or more accurately, nationally streamed. And this really is going to be an interesting exercise in the power of football. The Amazon audience versus the Fox audience. Traditional three-letter network televising game five of the World Series versus a streaming platform where the Nielsen numbers conflict with the Amazon numbers. The AP had a story about this last week. I don't know what to believe. I don't know who to believe. The numbers aren't as good overall as Amazon was hoping they would be. And I wonder what they're going to be tonight in this baseball football showdown where football's on the new age platform that naturally gets fewer viewers and baseball's on the old school even though Fox isn't one of the traditional networks, didn't come around to 87, it was ABC, old, CBS, yeah, NBC. Yeah, right. It's still the old school broadcast network that goes into millions of homes over free waves that go through the air and through our bodies, which I'm sure is good for us. But th- that's, the, that's the difference. That's the fight. But the problem is, as fascinated as I am by it, I can't help but but wonder how skeptical I'll be of the numbers that we eventually get from Amazon and from Nielsen. The mere fact that their numbers conflict is enough to get me to say, I don't believe any of it. I, I, I hear what you're saying. You know, I do. And yeah, tonight will be a test. It's a test just for, for what? I mean, you know, I mean, again, we know who's king. We know the ratings are going to be better for the game itself, even on Amazon in the NFL. 
We do. Is it going to kill it tonight? No, not. But like baseball, uh, and I just uh, even baseball World Series, interesting game five with the cheatingest cheaters of the history of sports plan. That's still not going to outdo the football. I mean, the cheat throws. That's not going to happen. You know, I'm giving them a hard time. So I, I, you know, again, it's just this is a, it's a, it's a new thing in our sport, and I, this is the way the world's going. So we better get used to it because I think we're here in the next few years. We're we're gonna in our in our lifetime at least. It's a lot of these games are gonna be on these damn apps, and that's just the way it's gonna be. The first couple of weeks, I did have issues with buffering. The rewind and fast forward functions were substandard, <laughs> and they threw me into a tailspin of buffering as I tried to catch up, and it was very <laughs> frustrating. Funny. The next, I'm, but it's true. Right. The next week, I had some buffering. Since then, I haven't had any issues. You only notice See? technical issues when they happen. So it has been working fine. Um, you speak- even when I have all four TVs on, oh, okay. it's been working fine. Well, they had to. They had to. They had to. Yeah, if they want to make this work. Yeah, they can't have, they can't have people having technical issues, and uh, period. You 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 have to be able to turn it on, and have it work as reliably as your TV. Basically, it has to work like a toaster. Like the one thing in your house you can always count on to work is your toaster. How often is your toaster broken? Never. You throw it out for a new one before it ever breaks. That's how your TV needs to work. It needs to be automatic. It needs to toast the bread. It needs to get the job done. And the first couple of weeks, they were struggling. And yeah. I suspect they put a lot of money into making sure that, that the technology could handle the load of people who, were, That's who right. were trying to watch the game. So it has been fine. Good. That part of it's been fine. I just question how many people are really watching. And, and you know, I, I mentioned yesterday the whole ESPN Plus thing. They boasted that it was the biggest audience ever to watch anything on ESPN Plus. But they won't tell us how many people watch Broncos Jaguars, which tells me that's nothing worth boasting about. So at, at least they're kind of being honest and not giving us a false number. I just feel like we're getting a false number from Amazon and or from Nielsen, who is getting paid by Amazon to track these numbers. Look, I've said this before, and let me go ahead and say it again. We are able to track in real time at PFT our traffic, the number of people who have visited the site, how many people have come, how many people have gone, what links they went to. And we're a piddly little rinky-dink media outlet. This is Amazon, for crying out loud. Surely they know how many people click the stream. Surely they know how long the stream was on. Surely they know who you are, where you are, and how much money you are when you click that link. They got all the information on us. How do they not instantaneously know how many people are on? There should be a meter in the bottom of the screen that shows how many people are on. How many times have we seen that? When you click on to Twitter to watch a press conference, it tells you how many people are watching. They have all that technology. They don't want to share that, though, with us because the number isn't as good as whatever else they're cooking up and throwing out there because they want to have a big number to get people to think, oh, I'm missing something. I better tune in. Good luck getting people to think they're missing something tonight. Well, okay, yeah. Well, they are missing something. I, I don't care. Again, it's still the best thing on TV tonight. You know, so they better, you know, they better figure it out. It's not perfect. 
You know, and and they're going to keep working on it. There, Johnny, program advisor, you over there. I just, yeah, look, I, you just spoke I just, I just like, Jeff Bezos, I like honesty. He got that stuff done. He got that damn thing fixed in a hurry. Look now, he's like, I, he heard you. Bezos was watching PFTs. Like I heard that asshole Florio talking about the rewind button, and I'm going to get it fixed. And he got it fixed. <laughs> I, I, I'm a big fan of honesty and transparency in all things, and I, I just, I got a problem with. I got a problem with the the the, the I don't, I don't know, know why. Fact. What do they care about? Like we all know it's not going to be they, perfect. They, it's not going to be a about, huge, huge number. We all expect that. Yeah. I don't know. You know, the NFL cares about it, so, so they care about it. That's right. one of the issues. But but it is something. The bigger the number is, the more you attract people in because people think they are missing something. It's FOMO, baby. FOMO. FOMO? That's what, that's what it's all about. Fear of missing out. Come on, man. You know what FOMO is. I did is. Well, not. Maybe you forgot once you went from hot dad to 40-year-old account. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. FOMO. Like I did FOMO. not know FOMO. That is a new one to me. You're you're cooler than I am, FOMO. All FOMO, right? FOMO is not. That is not worthy of Oh, they're doing it to me. Oh, they're doing you're it to getting me. it now. Right. Aha! See, you're aha, the cool one. The you're the one with the, 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 the 20-something around the house giving you all the lingo. FOMO? No, no, that has not reached my household yet. My oh. kids are not dropping FOMO. Oh, trust me, you're not interested in any of the 20-something lingo that I hear from time to time. We won't get into that, although uh, <laughs> we, we, we've been dangerously close to some of it. Around any corner, within every battle, And with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Eagles... Texans, what can we say about the Texans that gives them any hope whatsoever tonight or beyond? Is is it Damian Pierce and that's the end of the conversation? Is there any other player that is a building block for what they're trying to do? We know they've they've managed to piss off Brandon Cooks by not trading him and presumably making him think he was going to be traded. I He's questionable for tonight. He hasn't been at practice. He's right. upset. I feel like he's on the Deshaun Watson plan now where they're just going to pay him to not play, get to the end of the season, and trade him then. But other than Damian Pierce, what do they have? Uh, I, I think that's a valid question. They got a lot of good, like a lot of, I, want, I don't want to say good. They got a lot of depth and like maybe building blocks as far as like guys that are backups or low-level starters. But I, I mean, you're saying it. There's not a lot to look at. There's some pieces on the offensive line you like. You know, there's a smattering of guys on defense here and there. The young guy, the corner, Derek Stingley, he's shown that, I mean, his ability is real. And I know he hasn't been perfect this year, but damn, he looks the part to me. You know, but that that's that's the thing with the Texans. I think that's the thing we kind of questioned before the year. Uh, it's what I've questioned a little bit the last two years a little bit is where's the difference-making players you know, it's kind of one of those things where you go like, "What are they waiting off for this off season now to to go after it and really make moves and do that?" You know, that I know they had a deal with the Deshaun Watson, and there was some money on the 
you know, the cap as far as that's concerned. But, you know, I think that's the thing that we're, we're all looking at with the Houston Texans is it's, it's kind of a different rebuild than what we've seen. They, they kind of, it feels like they put it on the back burner to evaluate Davis Mills for one more year to see if he's the guy. And I think we're seeing that he's not the guy. They're going to be in the market for drafting a quarterback, I think, when the draft comes up. But, yeah, I think that's the underwhelming thing about the team, Mike. You're talking it. You're saying it. You know, you're, Brandon Cooks is one of the stars of your team, and that shouldn't be. He should be a really good number two receiver on another team, you know, or maybe a, a low-level number one. Damian Pierce, like you talked about. But it's, it's few and far between when you talk about difference-making players after that, and that's what's kind of, like, hard to put your finger on with them right now. You know, it's, it's like I said, it's, it's some of the depth and things are there, but there's no splash or difference-making players on the roster. I just posted an instant poll on Twitter, although I gave it eight hours. Let it percolate for a little bit. Usually, though, you get an idea quickly where it's going to go. For Philly fans, what are you watching tonight, the Eagles game or the Phillies game? Yeah. Which one? It'll be interesting to see because our good friend Mary from Atlanta, who is a tremendous Philadelphia fan, both teams, she says she's watching baseball. Wow. Wow. Mary's doing that, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, So we'll see. Um, but but I, it's it's the far more consequential game. I expect people to double screen as well. We're at a point in our society where, you know, the TVs aren't that expensive. I know everything is expensive now, but you can get a flat screen. But can for you double really affordable price? But can and, you double screen? Oh, you're saying two screens? Okay, just I just have two I got screens you. somewhere. Okay. Even if it's a, to... even if it's a small one that you bring in and you put temporarily in yeah, the room, right? You can get them relatively cheaply in comparison to what they used to be. We used to have, and here comes the piano music for me. That big giant console with the cathode ray tube and it was you know like a thousand pounds and it was fake wood plastic and it was like a thousand dollars for this thing you can get tvs now i'm astounded when i see what tvs cost like nice big flat screens aren't that expensive i know in comparison to what in my brain a tv is supposed to cost from when i was a kid i remember when the first the first flat screens came came out out. oh yeah it was it was obscene it was thousands not hundreds now you can get a decent tv in for for hundreds and my point is i think a lot of people out there especially hardcore sports fans have already done the multi-screen experience one way or the other you don't even i don't even know that that TVs have picture-in-picture capacity anymore because you don't need picture-in-picture. Remember, that was a big deal? Yeah, sure. Where you could you could split it in split half. Split the screen, right. You, you could have a little box. You could have the big box and the little box, and you could move the little box around. I mean, that stuff was fun. I had a TV like that. You don't need it anymore. You just have two TVs. So you're going to so, you're gonna have the World Series game on one of the TVs, though. You'll have it on one of them in the barn well, tonight. If anybody comes over that wants to watch it, I'll probably put it on. Yeah. And maybe I'll just put it on in case, you know, something crazy transpires. And it's part of the atmosphere, too. You put all the TVs on down there. You know, it makes it feel, you know, different, I guess. But yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have football on screen one, audio on football, and uh, we'll hear what Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit have to say about Oh, Al may have some things to say about tonight's game. Oh, Al yeah. has Al's not been, been bashful. <laughs> he has not been bashful. We got a about touchdown tonight. This is amazing. <laughs> They've been really good. I've enjoyed Herbie too. Herbie's adjusted from college to the NFL, and he, he he's got a different tone and talks the game differently in the NFL. I I wondered if he could do it, but I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed the Al and, and Kirk Herbstreit combination so far. 
Somebody asked me yesterday if Geno Smith has a chance to be the NFL MVP, and my point in response was it depends on whether or not the Seahawks are the one seed. you got to be the one seed and a quarterback to have a realistic shot at it. Now, maybe this year Tyree Kill draws away some votes if he has 2,000 receiving yards. I think so. Right? It takes It takes tremendous statistical achievement to get there. But, right. you know, right now it would be Jalen Hurts or Josh Allen as the NFL MVP. And I feel like Josh Allen – because there's a sense he does more. Uh, he's he's been the wire to wire favorite, but I think there's a chance Jalen Hurts ends up as the MVP. I really do. It could come down to those two guys, Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts, if the Eagles and the Bills are the one seeds in each conference. I I, I mean I hear you in that conversation. I mean for me, you know, again now I'm, I'm Patrick Mahomes is going to go above Jalen Hurts for me. That's where I would say. You know, that, that, I think you got to be the one seed, though. Well, I think if, if you're, you're a not two, the one if, seed, that hurts you. Well, if you're the two seed with still a really impressive record, and it's okay, oh, we lost the tiebreaker to the Bills, who you know we all look at as you know maybe the best team in football. That I I I don't dock you know the MVP voting for that. I don't you know at least the way I look at it. And the AFC's tough. It's a lot tougher than the NFC. And to me, those two guys are on another level than the rest of the league, as you've heard me say. I don't mean to keep beating this point in the ground, but they're, they're, they're to me, head and shoulders above the rest of the league. There's not an offense in football that Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes can't play in. Now, I can go to Jalen Hurts and go, oh, there's a lot of offenses he wouldn't fit in. So that's where, to me, there's a difference there. You know, the game is all through Allen and Mahomes. Everything they do as a team is, well, Allen can do it. Mahomes can do it. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do that. Oh, don't worry. They can cover the hole there where there's no holes on the Eagles. You know, Jalen Hurts' ability to run advances what they do, and that's awesome. And, again, he's a good deep ball thrower, but it's not like – it's not special throwing. It's not surgical pick you apart. It's a lot of this. Oh, wait. We were dominating in the run game. Okay, we're going to throw a shot down the field one-on-one. Oh, we got great screen game. You know, so it's not the same level to me. Again, if you put Mahomes and Allen in this offense with the Philadelphia Eagles, I'd go, that's not fair. The league's over. That We already know who's going to win the Super Bowl. It's, it's over. There's no, there's no point in even playing the, the games. It's over if Allen and Mahomes are the quarterbacks of the Eagles. It's over. So that's where there's a difference, but I don't want to say that and make people think that I'm downplaying what Jalen Hurts is doing. I'm just saying those guys, to me, are on another level right now, and they are the MVPs of football. Jalen Hurts is amazing, and he's proving that he is a high-level starter, a high-level leader in the NFL, things that I certainly question, no doubt about it, and he is, you know, deserves to be in the MVP conversation, but I just don't view him as the same quality player as those guys right there. And and I guess that's what I'm, I'm trying to state here. But he's going to be in the conversation because of what you said, Mike. They're a good team. His stats are good. And he's the quarterback. And that's kind of the way it goes this day and age with the MVP voting. What if? What if? What if? What if they go 17-0? and Yeah, MVP, that's, that's, that's hard to – that's hard to – I know. That might be one where you just go, okay, you're the quarterback of a 17-0 and football team. Maybe Maybe that does it. You know, I, I, I hear you. I hear you. But, uh, again, I, I feel like if you took Mahomes or Allen off the Bills of the Chiefs, they're not the same team. Like You go, oh, my gosh. Right. They're not the same. If we took Jalen Hurts and put Gardner Minshew in there, I'd still go, 
Eagles are still one of the best teams in football. We better watch out. You know, it might not be as dangerous, but I still go, oh, they're going to be really good and tough to beat because Gardner Minshew is a good backup and maybe even a low-level starter, and he might not be able to run like Jalen Hurts, but he can run enough to where they can do some of that stuff. So that's where another thing I would, I would argue, and I know I kind of, you know, maybe sound like a hater here, but that's just my thoughts and my feel from watching football all these years and what I study now. Another dynamic to which we need to pay more attention in the future, and I've told myself this in the past, and I've never followed through the way that I've meant to, but it needs to happen. Right. People have been asking me, because I'll do radio. I love doing local radio because it really gives you an idea what people are talking about in place of the local team, the trends, the questions. Why is the NFC East so good this year after being so bad? Right. Just two years ago, it was none of the above as the champion of the NFC East. It was an embarrassment, and it was that way for a couple of years. Well, this year, the schedule formula fell in a way that they play all the teams of the AFC South and all the teams of the NFC North. That helps. Those two divisions are not great top to bottom. This is not the NFC West that you're having to play or the AFC East. Could you imagine if you had to play the teams of the AFC East and the teams of the NFC West this year? Yeah. So right. it's fallen perfectly for the NFC East. They got the weakest division in the AFC and the second weakest division in the NFC. They, they could have the NFC South. I guess that would be the only difference. But that's eight games of your schedule. Eight games. You play six games in your division. You play eight games against these two other divisions with this rotation that some years it's going to fall perfectly where those eight games are going to be easier, relatively speaking, than they otherwise would be. And as a result, you've got the Eagles, the Cowboys, and the Giants fattening up their records, and you've got the Commanders at 500. Yeah. No, it is. It's fascinating. It really is. Nobody, I mean, I wouldn't have seen this ever. You know, I mean, I picked the Eagles and the Cowboys to go to the playoffs, but didn't expect the Cowboys to be quite the caliber they are, so they've exceeded my expectations for sure. But I think, Mike, there's a few things that jump out to me. First off, I mean, we know Philly's just super talented, so we can we know what that is. The Giants and the Cowboys, the the things that jump out to me a little bit with them is their management of the football game. You know, they're those are two teams that are not into analytics and being over aggressive. You know, it's they don't go for it on fourth every now and then. They just punt it out and go. We'll play defense. We'll run the ball here. You know, we'll just out hit you and be creative on defense and wait for you to make a turnover. They play that way. The thing I think the NFC East has going for it a little bit is between the Eagles, the Cowboys, Washington, there's some really good defensive lines right there. And even with the Giants, they got some size at least on their defensive line to where there's never a team that they play where you're like, whoa, they're they're just going to get obliterated in the run game and they got to do this. And now it's man to man on the outside. And oh my gosh, they can't do that. So that's where it gives them a fighting chance, I think. And then, you know, I think it's, you know, with the Giants and Cowboys, they play a game of like, you know, old school football a little bit. We're going to run the ball, high percentage passes and play through the defense a little bit. Um, So it's different. But I do think, you know, I look at their management of games a little bit instead of like teams like Cleveland that we've talked about where you go, they're three and five, but they shouldn't be three and five. If they manage games the right way, they'd probably be five and three or even better. You know, that's one thing that I think McCarthy and Dayball and even Ron Rivera have done a really good job of to, to make their teams win some games maybe they shouldn't have went, won. But it also helps if half 
almost no. Your point's so real against without a doubt. Yeah, and 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 what we need to do at the end of every season, we need to map out. Okay, this division, where do those eight games come from? This division, where do the eight games come from? Because that goes a long way toward figuring out where the wild card teams are going to come from. Somebody's winning the division, obviously. Yeah, but the second, third, and even technically fourth place team. Remember, we were musing about the possibility last year or the year before of all four teams from the NFC West getting in. Hell, all four teams from the NFC East could get in they could. this year. And the difference is those eight games where they can f- collectively fatten up against lesser foes. Well, we saw right. it a little. Uh, I was just going to say, we saw it a little bit before the year, though. We did. We, we called it a little bit. You know, we didn't see it with the, maybe the Giants and, and Washington, but we did like look at the Eagles' schedule before the year and go – there's nobody on their roster, no, no, nobody on their schedule until week 10 where you looked at it and go, on paper, this team's better than the Eagles. I know we, we looked at it and said, like, man, there's a chance they could be 8-2, and 9-1, 10-1. You know, it looked that way. So I think we were on it a little bit where how the schedule fell out. I just don't think we thought maybe the Giants and Cowboys would take advantage of it quite the way they did. I do a thing on Houston radio every Wednesday, and they they asked how we were going to find how much time we would actually figure out. They don't know who they're messing with. Spend on Eagles Texans, and I said the over under was thirty one minutes, and it's now thirty three minutes past the hour as we pivot to the rest of the NFL news that has broken while we've been on the air. The Dolphins and Bradley Chubb have agreed to a five year, one hundred nineteen million dollar extension, just two years after Chubb was traded from the Broncos. (laughs) To Miami, reportedly the deal includes sixty-three point two million guaranteed, and we've we've I've become desensitized to giving a crap about the lie that gets told about how much is truly guaranteed at signing, how much is guaranteed for injury. Anytime you hear X million guaranteed, it means guaranteed for injury, not what you definitely get at signing. And the ultimate guarantee is the signing bonus, the money you earn the moment you put your name at the bottom of the document. But regardless. Bradley Chubb gets his deal from the Dolphins. And, Chris, you know, the more I think about and the more I talk about the Broncos and Bradley Chubb, the new regime just decided they didn't want him. I think so. They didn't want him. I think so. He's a foundational piece. He's a lottery ticket that you scratched off and was a winner. And instead of paying him this deal, they trade him and get a first-round pick. And the Dolphins pay him this deal and give up a first-round pick to get him. Yeah, Listen, this is big money. It is. And, and, you know, again, this is not shocking as far as – I'm shocked that it happened this quickly. I, I am about that. But I think you're right as far as the Broncos. I mean, we talked about it a little bit yesterday. Yeah, I, I think they probably knew what it was going to take to pay Bradley Chubb. I doubt that – it doesn't seem like they were comfortable with that. You know, yes, and I understand that. Bradley Chubb is not, at least in my opinion, solidified himself as I go, oh, man, he's, he's definitely one of the five best pass rushers in football. No. No, not at all. Does he have the potential to be that? Certainly. But we know it's been injuries and few and far between as far as, like, we're seeing dominant football. Now, this year it's, it's, it's good, and it continues to be good, and he looks like he's getting back to his normal self. But, you know, I, yeah, I understand where the Broncos were with this situation. And then, like we talked about a little, too, they got some young guys at that position that I think they look at and go, ooh, they're good. You know, the Barrett Browning guy, like we talked yesterday, he's got serious, like, superstar pass rushing ability. They drafted a kid, Nick Benito, out of Oklahoma in the second, maybe early third. I can't remember off the top of my head. He's got, a, uh, you know, an ability to come off the edge and be that guy. So I think they just went, wait, we, where are we going to allocate our resources? And we don't trust this one. And we'll trade them and, and get some, you know, picks and, and go that way. So, 
You know, what, what's your thought about the number? Are you shocked to see this type of number here for, for Bradley Chubb? No, because the numbers are always going to keep going up and up. The salary cap keeps going up, $23.8 million uh, per year. That, that's, not, that's not top end of the market. Uh, it's a good deal. And uh, they, they move quickly. They did their homework. This is a guy they liked. This is a guy they wanted. This is a guy they went and got. And if he had hit the open market, he would have gotten even more. If you can go to a team that doesn't have to give up draft capital and players to get you, that's more money that it would have paid you. I just, to me, the red flag is the Broncos who have had him his entire career. Yeah, they didn't want him. want to keep him. Right. So I'd you. want to know exactly why. Is it as simple as... George Payton didn't draft him. Nathaniel Hackett doesn't really value putting a lot of money on a defensive player. He's more focused on the offense. The defense will be fine without him, whatever it is. But th they had the the bookends that we thought would be there for years to come. Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb. And in consecutive years, they're traded at or about the deadline. Miller to the Rams, and now he's with the Bills, and now Chubb with the Dolphins, and they're reunited in the AFC East. They'll, they'll come across each other once this year. They've already played with without Chubb on the Dolphins. So, yeah, I, it, look, it doesn't surprise me. Once you invest the first-round pick in the guy, you're not just keeping him for the end of the year and then letting him become a free agent. You're either going to franchise tag him or you're going to get a deal done. So they decided, let's go ahead and get the deal done. And from Chubb's perspective, he's getting his money. Could he have gotten more later? Maybe. He's getting what he can get now, before he even sets foot on the field. Right. I mean, they, they, they have never seen him in a Dolphins uniform and they're paying him this money. But that tells me that, that there's something about the guy that they've studied, there's something they like, and there was something the Broncos didn't. The deal gets done, and off we go. Yeah, he's got all, all right. the attributes. He's got all the attributes. He does. But, I mean, to me, you know, again, I, I, I would have, it would have scared me. As, you know, 26 career stacks, and, you know, we talked yesterday, injured, you know, a lot, two out of the last three years. You know, that's where, you know, I understand the Broncos walking away from that, that situation there. But, you know, you're right. I think, you know, it's inevitable for what we're seeing here. And, you know, they obviously did do their due diligence and like. And, you know, it's a New England defensive mind coach there. He's big. He's physical. He plays the run well. So, you know, I get it from the Miami Dolphins standpoint as well. I'd be far more concerned if John Elway were still the GM of the Broncos and this was happening. It's easier to process this as – New regime just doesn't want Bradley Chubb. And we'll go with other options, younger and cheaper, to build around. But obviously, you need a great pass rusher. You need multiple great pass rushers, especially in the AFC West. So it is red flag. The Dolphins apparently resolved whatever concern they should have had, given the fact that the Broncos were willing to let this guy go in lieu of. It's, you know, it reminds me of Khalil Mack, the Raiders. You... You draft Khalil Mack, he becomes a great player for you, and instead of paying him and keeping him, you trade him in for more lottery tickets. No, when you scratch off a lottery ticket and it's a winner, you're supposed to keep it, not trade it in for more lottery tickets because you don't know what that first-round pick's going to be. You know what Bradley Chubb is, and if you don't want him, if you'd rather have a new lottery ticket, that's where the concern comes from. Yeah, Again, yeah. the Dolphins resolved it to do the trade, to do the deal, and now we see if Bradley Chubb works out for them on defense – the way Tyreek Hill has worked out for them on offense because they did the same thing. The yeah. Dolphins are this year's F them picks team, Chris. Yeah, well, their team is set up. It's ready. They, it's really just like it's rounding it out. It's icing on the cake, whatever. But, you know, as, as far as what the team is, 
yeah, they they got some spots where there's young talent there, and they're not going to have to pay them for you know another two or three years throughout the roster. And that's where I think they can look at it and go, hey, let's spend some money here. It's an important position for us. And I, I think that's basically what it comes down to. There's not much they need when you look at them. They kind of got talent or established talent or young talent coming up the ranks in almost every spot on their football team. I and mean, that's why we're all looking at them and talking about Super Bowl. And then with the Broncos, I think the thing is, is they're looking at it to the future going, wait, we're, you know, we got to probably pay some of these receivers here soon if we want to do that. We got to get a better offensive line. We're going to have to start spending that in the offseason for sure. We got to do that. Patrick Sertain is the best corner in football already. They're going to have to pay him like the best corner in football in the next year and a half, two years. That's coming. So maybe they look at it that way. And, then of course, what they're paying Russell Wilson on top of that. You know, guys like Draymond Jones are kicking butt for them. Are they going to have to give him a contract? I think there's, you know, probably some things on their, their overall team radar where they just it didn't make sense for them financially either. Dolphins made the big trade in the offseason to get Tyree Kill. Dolphins make the big trade at the deadline to get Bradley Chubb. The Packers make the big trade in the offseason to get rid of Devontae Adams, and then they don't do anything when the deadline arrives. We spent some time talking about that yesterday, the dynamic of not having an owner, the draft and develop mindset that they've had for 30 years. Aaron Rodgers, his Wednesday midweek press conference, was peppered with questions from reporters about how he feels about the team's decision to not make a deal at the deadline. Here's what Aaron Rodgers had to say about it. I'm, my hopes are always up in life. You know, I'm an optimistic person. And obviously the compensation or whatever players that we were going after just didn't make sense. So I trust Brian and uh, we had some good conversations. I uh, know that we were, you know, in on some things and it obviously just didn't, uh, didn't pan out. So that's not, a, not my uh, area of focus. So Brian didn't think... Uh, that whatever was out there was worth whatever uh, was required given up. So um, that just sends a message to us that we got to, you know, play with the guys we got and, and win with the guys we got. And I think there's still a lot of confidence in the guys in the locker room. I do feel like we need to get healthy, you know, when we're at our full strength, which we really haven't been this season, whether it's been Dave, you know, not playing early in the season and Eld not playing early in the season. We haven't kind of had the 11 that we thought we were going to play with for extended time. So when we get those guys, I feel like, you know, we got the team uh, to get the job done. Well, we didn't subtract either. I think that's a really important point to make. Um, So obviously the organization, the third floor, believes that we have the right guys in place to win. Um, There's no tanking. There's no rebuild. This is a team that is expected to get the job done. So it's on us as players and also coaches to make sure that, you know, we're doing everything we can to win football games. You know, every once in a while he says something with a little twinkle in his eye, and I thought it was odd that he even went there to say, hey, it's not like we dumped guys. Like, did anyone really think the Packers were going to be sellers at the trade deadline? They're still alive for a wild card berth. They're not done. They're not dead. Nobody was suggesting that they fold the tents. And just the fact that he would even joke about that seems odd. That would be the last thing these Packers would do with Aaron Rodgers, that they would even be considering tanking, rebuilding, or whatever word you want to call it. So he's very calm about the whole thing, Chris. 
Like I said yesterday, they've managed to make him think they're trying. I just wonder how hard they're really trying when it comes to acquiring veteran players via trade. Yeah, no, I, I don't think they're trying that hard. You know, you could also take it and look at it and they go, well, maybe they just evaluate it and don't think you guys are a team that one player is going to make a difference and get you over the top to get you to the Super Bowl. You know, that's how I almost look at it. I think there's a little part of me that goes, well, they're just looking at it and go, man, it's, it's coming to the end of your time, Aaron Rodgers. And, yeah, we're good, but we're not that good. And we're not going to go all in on one guy and try to make it happen here right now. And I, I, sometimes I feel like that's what they do, too, let alone, to your point, it's just not in them to make these aggressive moves. It's not. It's annoying. It's frustrating. Um but yeah, it always seems like you know they're they're thinking about two or three years down the road instead of maybe just what's in front of them right now. So yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't shocked as as you were. They were not shocked either that they did not make this move. And 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 again, I, I think you're right. I look at them and still go, do I think they're a playoff caliber team? Sure, I think they're you know a low level playoff caliber team. But I I don't look at it in any way and think that they can make a real run at the Super Bowl. Well, I don't. It just, it's, 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 you know, even the way he's playing, I think it almost mirrors the team. I want to go, I don't know. Are you guys really, are you really doing it? You going all in? You trying to win as conservative as you're playing the position right now, you know, down like you were the other night against Buffalo. You're still running the ball. I mean, you know, again, I, I know they were probably managing the game and maybe managing how much Rodgers gets hit because they, they couldn't protect them passing the ball, but Gosh, I think you and I both had the same feeling there as the game was going on. They were playing to not get embarrassed and blow out, blown out early in the fourth quarter instead of just going for it and trying to win the game. And that's what's kind of annoying about Green Bay is that's the way they play. It's very measured and conservative, and I just don't think you can play that way in this day and age in the NFL. There's a certain element of what we saw from Rodgers and maybe have seen from other players and just kind of the vibe with the fan base. There's a, a degree of shock that what's going on here, what's happening. It's like, you know, the feeling you have in one game that isn't going your way and you extrapolate it out to a whole season. Like what in the hell is going on here? What kind of strange aberration is this season that we have just gotten stuck in the mud and we can't get it going. And, what came through from Rodgers yesterday was this confidence slash potential delusion that with the guys they have, they're going to find a way to turn it around. And I don't, I just don't know that with the guys they have, they can turn it around. And we always hear, well, if we can get everybody healthy, if we can get everybody, well, join the NFL. That's what happens. You're going to have injured guys. Can you perform with injured guys? You're never going to have your best 11. You're never going to have perfect laboratory conditions. And if you do, it's not going to last very long. You got to be able to win with backups at key positions. You got to be able to get it done. I'm sure they've had these same issues in the years they were 13 and 3, 13 and 3, 13 and 4. It's just they were winning games. That's the difference. They're not winning games this well, year. Well, yeah. I, I think they really now ultimately they missed Devontae Adams. Their plan for replacing him wasn't good. It hasn't worked. The the rookies are getting better. And they're, they're another team, Chris. You know, I said this before the season. They'll be better off as a five, six, or seven seed than as a one seed because they'll have no pressure on them when they get to the postseason. And if they find a way to get one of those wild card berths, I, I think they could be very dangerous for the same reason I think the Bucks can be dangerous if they win the division in the NFC South and they just get in. If you get Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady in the postseason field, 
they can make some noise and they can win some games against some of these other teams and some of these other quarterbacks. Yeah, I, and listen, I, I don't disagree with you there. I don't. You know, to, you know they got those two got to play better. They also got to change their like body language and things they do too. You know, that's the other thing that's it's it's apparent and people talk about it everywhere. Uh, it just it can't be. Oh, we get a penalty on first down and our heads go up and we slap the ball and and act like oh my gosh, how are we going to get out of this situation? Like that, that's that's one thing that's driving me crazy about watching Green Bay and Rodgers. That's not helping the team out. Neither one of their body languages sell the right way. You know, I don't. I, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. I know they're going to be dangerous. They're a pain, and no one's going to like seeing them come into town. But at the same time, I don't know if these are the same people we we are, we're used to. I think that's part of the maybe what Green Bay is going through here. Right here, I think they're so spoiled maybe by Rodgers for the last decade, just making it happen with no matter who's out there because he was a freak of nature and he was Mahomes and Josh Allen ish like right where he could carry the team no matter what. And I, I, there's a part of me that thinks maybe they thought he could still do that, and that's where they're different. You know, that's where that's where it's put more of a glaring thing. Rodgers is getting to that point of his career where he needs some certain parts of a formula to make it work. He can't just go, oh well, I'll make you miss and make you miss and move over here and then be Aaron Rodgers and throw lasers everywhere, which he did forever. And we just went, whoa, Green Bay's a Super Bowl contender, even though their offense sucks and their defense is average because he was awesome. And he can't cover some of those holes right now, and neither can Brady. And that's where, you know, they do need something of the team to start playing at an elite level like we talk about to make teams start having to defend something. And right now it just doesn't exist on either one of their offenses. That one last run, that one more ride, it's rarely special. If anything, it ends up being a disappointment and people have regret. And I feel like in Green Bay – they understand that Rodgers won't be back next year. I'll be surprised if he's back. I'll be surprised if Brady's back. What do you think? Uh, You're yeah, saying with Rodgers he won't be back like in football at all, or do you think he's yeah, going to go I like – You think he's going to be like, hey, let's like – you're sick of me. I'm sick of you. The hell would they trade me somewhere, and let's go do that. I, I don't think he wants to do it, Chris, because yeah. if he goes somewhere else yeah. and the team doesn't do well, then the argument is it wasn't the team. It was also him. And unless he's got a perfect spot where he think he walks through the door and he's going to be on a Super Bowl contending team and can maybe get there and win it, I, I think he's not interested in creating a data point for those who would say Rodgers has been a big part of the problem as to why the Green Bay Packers haven't been back to a Super Bowl. As it stands now, just blame the team. Blame the team. Hey, I got the great touchdown-to-interception ratio. I've got – everybody says I'm more skilled than anybody else that's played. I'm the best ever. You dilute your argument if you go to another team and you get the same kind of outcome there that you've had every year except 2010 with the Packers. I think that's why he didn't leave this year when it came down to it. Yeah. I mean, people think they hired Nathaniel Hackett in Denver because they were getting Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. At the end of the day, when he finally was – you know, it's one thing to say I'm going to go skydiving. It's another thing to jump out of the plane. And when it was time for him to jump out of the plane, he said, I'm good. I'll just stay in the plane. He had his chance to jump out of the plane, and he didn't. And I really think, and I love, I usually say I hate to psychoanalyze people. I love to psychoanalyze Aaron Rodgers. I think he knew if he goes somewhere else and he falls flat on his face, look at what Russell Wilson's going through. Yeah, right. The narrative becomes it was you, it was you, it was you. Currently, he can say, and maybe that's why he just seemed kind of 
Yeah, puts no pressure on them, right? Yeah, I hear you. Hey, hey, these these dumbasses that never do anything. Hey, this is what I've been talking about for all these years. They don't do anything. They didn't do anything again. So it's not me. It's them. I think I think he likes it at a certain level because it fits his narrative that the reason they don't have more than one Super Bowl win during his career isn't him. It's them. Chris, I really do. I hadn't I, thought I of it that way until we talked about it, but I think that's why I was trying to say, why does he seem totally almost amused by this? What's funny about it? I think but, he's just, I think he's almost so thrown in the towel me. to a degree. I, well, I know. I think he's, there's a part of like, like he said, hey, he, we're not tanking. Hey, he gives zero F's anymore. We know, we know we suck, but we're not tanking. So we didn't trade I, anybody I, off. Yeah. They could have traded me, could have traded me, but they didn't. Maybe they, again, I don't think he wants to be. All right. The, fans of the Washington Commanders would very much love to trade out owners. It was a significant day for those folks. Everybody else connected to the organization. Could the Commanders actually be for sale? Well, technically they are. We'll break it all down when PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 